God bless you, everybody. This is Joshua Cooper, and you are listening to a word for today. I am excited today because we are going to be going into an interview with Bishop T.D. Jakes on how to build a vision from the ground up. I'm going to break this interview up in several segments because I believe that they are going to be a blessing to your life. So without further ado, here it is. Bishop T.D. Jakes. you right off the bat, this is my Stephen Furtick outfit. This is me trying to be cool like my pastor. Can I be pretty good? Cool, man. So I inspired you. You inspired me. Can we call it even now for all of the stuff I've ripped off from you over the years? (laughs) The only problem is my thighs can't breathe. That's the problem. So if we see you leaning over. Yeah, I need an EMT for my knees. But I'm good. <laughs> Woo. Woo. You can't dance in these things, man. You can't? <laughs> you know, you just got to jump up and down. Can you soar? I can soar in them. I can soar in them. How would you like to hear Bishop T.D. Jakes and Pastor Stephen Furtick sing I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly, a duet to begin this interactive experience. Is that something you might be interested in? All the millennials are like, R what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Maybe we'll do that at the end. No, let's not. Do you like that song? Yeah, I like the song. What are some songs that you like to listen to, Bishop Jakes, that don't get played in church? That don't get played in church? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Cut the cameras. <laughs> oh, you guys can be seated. We're hanging out now. They're so excited. I like Luther Vandross. I like Anita Baker. You know, you, you know. Um, I like lesser known but but extremely talented is Kiko Matsui. Kiko Matsui is a Japanese jazz pianist that is absolutely out of this world. And I listened to her this evening before I came over here, so I'd have my international flavor. So I like all kinds of music. I like classical music. Uh, I, I like gospel music, of course. I, I like just about every kind, every genre, even some country. I'll go country on you every now and then. Greatest rock and roll band of all time. Oh, God, now I'm in trouble. Now I don't go rock and roll. No. <laughs> no, no, it's funny. I grew up in the Jimi Hendrix era, so, you know, you know anybody call you Jimi Hendrix? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big poster of him on the wall. My life's ambition was to have his afro. I had women braiding my hair till my eyeballs were up like this, trying to get my hair to grow. It never happened. I didn't get hair till the Jerry Curl. That was your moment. You don't know nothing about the Jerry Curl. Yes, sir, I do. I mean, not from personal experience. I've seen pictures. (laughs) You've seen pictures of it. Well, when I used to preach years ago, I wore Jerry Curl and I had a towel around my neck. And and when I got to really preach it, (laughs) you you 
send some pictures or something. Yeah, and the jury curl, would, the juice would fly across the front aisle. And everybody gets slain in the spirit. Those were the days when the power of God was falling. Is that the secret? That's the secret. You got to get a curl. I'm in trouble. <laughs> so excited about this new book. Soar. Excited to talk to you about it tonight. Thank you. I've been reading it. Yeah. It's kind of weird, though. I, I had to do my research to interview you. And um, so I, I put in Amazon because the book is subtitled Build Your Vision from the Ground Up. And uh, focuses on leadership, mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So I put entrepreneur in Amazon search. And over 56,000 results. Wow. Over 56,000 results. And then I put in leadership, over 257,000 results. Amazing. Which made me wonder, for my first official question of the interview, what was missing from the conversation that made you want to add your voice? Timing. What we need depends on where we are in the history of this country. Uh, the topography of this country has changed in terms of how we make a living quite a bit from agricultural. Uh, we went through that phase to the industrial age, to the uh, information age that we're currently in right now. And people have had to retool themselves in order to keep up with trends they didn't choose. Now we're in an era where uh, people of my generation send our kids to school because we train them to think a job and we said if you go to school and you get a good education you're going to come out and you're going to get a great job and that was true when I was coming up but that's not true today today you can <laughs> am I right about it today you can go to school you can get a great education and come out with a good bill <laughs> a whole lot of debt and end up working at Burger King <laughs> nothing against Burger King <laughs> but uh how how do we <laughs> I have to be careful brother like we get sued on the regular <laughs> the question then becomes how do we with our education and our disappointment living in our mother's house sleeping on the couch eating cereal at noon retool ourselves so that we can be functional in the 21st century uh, I, I listen to the argument that our country's having right now. It's, it's hard to listen to. <laughs> but beneath all of the chatter, the Red Belt states and the inner cities are crying about the same thing. The lack of opportunity. And we're looking to the White House to solve the problem. And the reality is that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And, and we need solutions. And this goes beyond, we like to talk in terms of, we have nice terms for it, but it's really black and white, you know, urban and red belt states is really black folks, white folks. But now we're both getting broke. <laughs> okay, which is a scary situation. And, and you've got smart, bright, gifted, talented people who can't find an opportunity. Also in our community, and, and even in other communities, you have this dilemma of people who made mistakes when they were young, uh, some criminal justice issue. And 25 years later, they can't get a job or a place to stay. That's a real problem. 
So rather than to go get a job, I thought it was important to talk about being a job. You know, yeah, about being a job, about hiring yourself, about the opportunities that exist to create your own uh, reality, your own business, your own company, to be the CEO of you. The CEO of you. And I think it surprises a lot of people to hear you talk like that who are only familiar with you as a preacher. <laughs> right, right. I mean, there's no doubt, okay, when I, when I go to preach for Bishop Jakes, I've had the privilege to do it uh, three times, I think. Yeah. I spend as long trying to figure out what I want to say in my introductory remarks <laughs> to honor him because of what he's meant to me as I do on my message. And um, I never can quite find the words, but uh, the last time I think I was with you, I gave you a nickname. I don't know if you remember, I called <laughs> oh, you the yes. slasher. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I called you that because I called him that because no matter what title someone would put with uh, the name T.D. Jakes, they would have to put a slash after it. Yes. So you're a pastor slash author. New York Times best-selling, multiple number one, 793 weeks author, um, slash producer, slash record label executive, uh, slash philanthropist, slash father, slash husband, slash, slash, I call him slasher. Um, probably the first time you've ever been called that. That got me an FBI investigation. <laughs> Thank you very much. At the heart of... At the heart of that nickname, though, is a lot of admiration. I wonder, when did you decide not to be limited by one title or one function? I never knew that the way people described you would become a prison until they did it. Uh, when, when I met me, I was not a preacher. <laughs> so I didn't know that they would incarcerate me with the title. Uh, you are at your best when you are authentic to your core. Yeah. And you have to be what you are, not what they call you. Sometimes, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people will call you a name and you start living up to the name and it limits you from what else God wants to do in your life. You know, and, and by the way, I, I, I get a lot of credit for inventing this, but the credit is really misplaced because when you think of the Apostle Paul, he was a writer. Uh, he was a thinker respected by the thinkers of his age at a time when there were profound thinkers in Paul's age, known for his ability to be uh, progressive intellectually. He was a speaker. He was a writer. He was a tent maker. He, he was able to influence Aquila and Priscilla, not because of his preaching, but because of his business. They shared the same business. And out of that business influence and affluence, a relationship emerged that affected the kingdom. When you look at Jesus, who was a carpenter's son, and later they called him a carpenter, he who handled wood ended up nailed to a tree. And what happens in life as we evolve as a person, we cannot allow ourselves to be incarcerated by anything that people would describe us with because we limit then what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. You understand? I do. Let, let me jump in and say this one quick thing. I think if Jesus had come in our day, he would have been a filmmaker. 
but because they didn't have films, he told parables. But if you think about it, parables are movies made of words. If he were to come today, he would have done films. Imagine how that would look like today. Most of what we call church, we would have to teach Jesus. <laughs> Jesus never saw an usher. He never saw a greeting committee. Jesus never saw a choir. Jesus never met a deacon. Jesus never had a board. Jesus never had a whole lot of things that we would have to go through and say, now Jesus don't sit over there. That's the reserve section. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Jesus, when you, when you get ready to leave, put your finger up, tip out, you know, we, we would, we, we, these accruements that attach itself to religion often block our view from revelation. Yeah. And uh, because I was, I was uh, raised by a dying father, born in between two dead babies, I really value the preciousness of life. The baby before me died and the baby after me died and my mother clutched to me as only a mother can who has lost a child. And, and an appreciation for the value of life and a refusal to allow anybody to take away the great privilege of being alive. I will think for myself. I will move in my own direction. You can say whatever you want to say about it, but I'm going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. At the core of everything, Soar is saying, don't be limited. Don't put a period because you, you did one thing that you can't do something else, that you can't be something else, that you can't evolve as an individual, that you can't explore other idioms of thought. Uh, you know, let me shut up because I get to talk and I'll talk. No, it's great. I, I want to dig deeper into that because the arc of your teaching and one of the most influential messages that I've received from you is get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you open your mouth, some version of that's going to come out. Maybe from the Old Testament or maybe a, from an, a, a chicken's egg. You know, there's, there's some way that you're going to tell me get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I wondered though, because I've also heard you teach so much about your capacity, mm -hmm. that each person has a God-given capacity. Mm -hmm. For the person who is trying to decide who am I, what can I do, um, I don't know yet, I haven't tried yet, I think I know what I have, I don't know if I have it or not. How do we know the difference between staying in our comfort zone versus going beyond our capacity? You're only measured in terms of success by his investment in terms of contribution. If he gave one man one talent, another man two talents, and another man five talents, he didn't expect the man with one talent to produce ten. But at least give me two. The man who had two talents came back with four. The man with five talents came back with ten. The man with two talents came back with four. The man with five came back with ten. Those are the same things. That's a hundredfold. The man with one came back with nothing. Now the Apostle Paul says that when we compare ourselves with one another and so doing it is not wise because we don't have the same starting place. So if I'm going to make success predicated on what my neighbor had, that is only fair if I started with what my neighbor started with. Let me ask this. 
What if I'm not clear about what I started with? Because I've heard you do this thing before, too. Okay, the advantage I have interviewing you is I have a library of things that you've said. I don't think there's been a sermon. by the way. Yeah, so I have I'm scared to death the upper here. hand. But you do this thing. All right, I, I saw him do this thing at a preacher's conference once. And he said, uh, I, I, won't, I won't imitate your voice. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. He has this really intense uh, mode. There's there's a wide open Bishop Jakes, and then there's a very intense, uh, very it's, it's 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 many gears, but it's equal intensity, and it's terrifying. Um, but it was a it was a it was a pretty a, a pretty big moment, and you you say there's nothing that I have that you don't have. Uh, I have one mouth, you have one mouth. <laughs> two ears you have two ears and you know how descriptive he is he went all the way to the toenails um, and I'm just being honest Bishop respectfully I was thinking that's not true you have this mind and this ability and this voice even as a preacher who admires you so much there's a part of me that goes I know the point is that God has given each of us a calling but I think a lot of us when we hear about the parable of the talents we don't know well, do I have one? Do I have two? Do I have five? I don't want to get out there and do something stupid that I wasn't meant to do, but I don't want to this, stop see, short. You, you're really hitting on something. First thing, I am in touch with myself in a way that a lot of people are not. I know me. I, I, I dated me. <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. I've dated me. I know me. You know, when you date somebody, you explore them to see who they are. Most people are so busy dating other people they've never dated themselves. You understand? When, when God says to Adam, the very first command God says to Adam is to be fruitful. You can only be fruitful if you are seedful. Okay, so we're talking about the difference between fruit and seed. Identifying your seed is what causes you to be fruitful. The first revelation of seed should happen in your family. You should have parents who are looking at their kids looking for seeds. I'm going to give you my grandbaby story. You asked for it. You're going to get it. You're just going to get it. <laughs> so we're in my church and it's dark and my grandbaby's in there and a bunch of friends are in there and we're taking pictures and I can't find the light. And, uh, you know, the lights are complicated and I can't figure out how to turn all this stuff on. And, and so we're trying to get some, some pictures. And so my grandbaby ran and she says, wait a minute, Paul. I'm going to get a flashlight. She went up under the pew where we have hidden flashlights, snatched down a flashlight and brought it over and said, now take the picture. And so I said to her, I said, baby, don't you want to be, Kenzie, don't you want to be in the picture? She said, no, I don't want to be in the picture. I want to hold the light. That's the seed right there. That's the seed right there. So we came back to the house and I was getting ready to take a picture. And I'm trying to keep up with you millennials, you know. It's so hard. And I was trying to take a selfie. And I was trying to, I got a timer, you know, where you can back up. You know. If you follow me on Instagram, you know this is true. And, uh, and so I couldn't get my phone to sit up. And she, she went and got some books and propped it up. And I said, I told my daughter, I said, put her in leadership classes. Put her in management classes. She's a problem solver. 
that starts early, early, early. Her instinct in a situation is to solve the problem. She says, I don't want to be in the picture. I want to hold the light. Those are seeds. Okay. Directing that child toward an area where you can cultivate what God has planted down inside of them is important. God bless you. I hope you have enjoyed the first part of this interview. How to build your vision from the ground up. Based off of T.D. Jakes' book, Soar. This has been a blessing to my life. I just wanted to share it on this podcast. And I'm asking that you share it with others that you care about. I'm going to speak a word of blessing over you, Father. I thank you for blessing each and every person that is listening to this podcast today. God, I thank you for moving in every area of their life. Yes, Lord. I thank you, God, that you're bringing opportunities, Father God, that, you, that you're restoring things to them, God, that you're moving on their behalf. In Jesus' name, I ask you, amen. Remember, I'm Joshua Cooper, and Jesus is on your side. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.